Wow, let's talk about um, musical nightmares there. That music would not, not stop. As many buttons I would press, as many people I would talk to, uh, it just wouldn't go. Well, welcome to Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host here, Steve Pisa, on a beautiful Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you very much for joining us a couple days after Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? Was it fantastic? I really appreciate you joining us today. I know it was a a very busy weekend with uh, Black Friday. If any of you tried that or attempted that feat, you are ridiculous. <laughs> Most of the reason why is that you can get all those deals off of Amazon, Blockbuster, Overstock, and what have you. You don't need to go to a store. As, as a matter of fact, a very interesting thing today was uh, reading about how um, a lot of the Black Friday Drop-in deals have dropped off by about 40%. So people are not going to those stores anymore. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And welcome to Cinema Files Radio. I am your host, Steve Pisa. We have two great guests today, Michael Priest and Raul Sanchez. Executive producers, producers, directors, writers. These guys are amazing. Thank you to Suzanne Bell for setting this up. I really greatly appreciate it. I love talking to people who are... Beginning in this industry or lifers in the industry, they have a different sense of thought when it comes to making film and seeing film and what have you. And 
That's what we like to talk to them. Thank you for joining us here on, on Thanksgiving weekend. Call us in 657-383-1444. Again, 657-383-1444. Call us in. Tell us about your Thanksgiving fantastic feed. Tell us about your Thanksgiving nightmares. Just like Modern Family. Did you have three turkeys? <laughs> Did you eat a lot of stuffing? What was your favorite food this weekend? Was it turkey, stuffing, and mashed potatoes? Or was it straight to pie? Which one was it? And did you see a movie this weekend? Now, we all know that Star Wars played as uh, a... Tra- Hello, everybody. I love, love live radio. It's fantastic. You know, things like this happen all the time. But, uh, you know, let's bring on our, our first guest right away because we don't want to, we don't want to miss anybody. So let's bring on, uh, let's bring on Ralph Sanchez. How are you? Hello, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Oh, fant- fantastic. We're having a couple of technical difficulties. We're, we're trying to get everybody on the line here. Uh, for some reason, Blog Talk on a, on a holiday weekend is incredibly busy. So the traffic is just gigantic. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. So how was your uh, Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving week? Well, you know, it was busy, traditional. You know, we don't normally eat turkey. We rather eat chicken. But, you know, it was right. like any other Thanksgiving. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, so tell me, we, we've got movies coming out. We've got projects coming out. Uh, you've... you've I understand you've directed, you've executive produced, you've done a lot of things in the industry. Tell us, how, how did you begin in the film industry, and and, uh, and how did this whole thing come apart with you? Actually, I was in the sales, marketing, and promotions business for over 20 years. And ah. I think that's where I got to meet a lot of people. Uh, one day, um, I got sick, and I could no longer move into that industry. So I said, all right, man, let me look for something else. I came across a gentleman who had introduced me to J.J. Rogers, who is currently our director for our show. And from that point on, we did projects here and there, and it just evolved. And here I am now. Nice. Now, where did you meet Michael Priest? Because we're going to bring bring him on right now. We're going to bring him on together. So, Um, Michael Michael Priest is really a, a friend of our creator, Joe Mendoza. And uh, they were talking about projects before. And, and and finally, when this came about, like, oh, you know what? We're, you might say that we're kind of new in the business, even though we've done projects before. But right. we needed veteran help, you know? Right, so we right. said, hey, let's bring in Michael Peace. Who else? A legendary director and producer? Heck, yeah. Let's bring him in. So, <laughs> you know, and... Originally, he just uh, provided us with the the knowledge. He had given right. us you know, information that we can use. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, we bring the guy in, man, he's the expert. Let's have Michael Priest, you know, ask to be executive producer. And thank goodness he did. Right, right. Let's bring Michael Priest on here. Michael Priest? Yes, I'm here. Are you there, sir? Hey, yes, sir, sir, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Live, li- live, live radio. Uh, so right, I understand. <laughs> it was incredible. Just, 
just two weeks ago, I was panicking because the show just wouldn't start. And this weekend is like Thanksgiving weekend, so it's so busy. Uh, the, the, the show just basically shut off maybe five minutes into it. It's so hilarious. But you know how it works working in, in, in film and what have you. So so we wanted to bring you on here. Suzanne Bell is, is a great woman. She, she really hounded me to, to bring on the show. Not that it was difficult, but it was. she's one of those people that pushes, pushes, pushes. But, Michael, please, you, you're one of those people that have been part of, part of the Hollywood industry for, for quite a little while now. So tell, tell me a little bit about your, your history and what brought you to this point in your life. All right, way back, before anybody probably that's listening, I got into the business in 1955. It was summertime, and uh, my mother was the um, business representative for a guild called the Script Clerks Guild back then. It became Script Supervisors, which is really the continuity person on the set, usually a woman with a big, thick book and a stopwatch, that person. (laughs) Anyway, uh, uh, in June, uh, you know, they the business had gotten so busy, television had just come in, and uh, so they apprenticed me as a script uh, supervisor, and um, then I went back to school in September and uh, realized that, uh, wow, uh, maybe I shouldn't be uh, going to school when I can make $165 a week doing this, and I went down to a a location in Georgia and uh, made uh, that big money. And uh, so I came back, and I was always intending to go back to school, I mean college. Right. And uh, But then I kept getting jobs. And uh, I did that script supervisor job for 20 years. And then uh, I started, uh, I was working for Quinn Martin Productions, which made a mm-hmm. lot of television shows including Barnaby right. Jones and uh, Streets of San Francisco, and I got an opportunity yeah. to uh, direct one. And um, so then I started directing then in 75, and uh, I'm still doing it, not as much as I used wow. to. Wow. Uh, so you started yeah, directing in 1975. Yeah, well, yeah, I started on Streets of San Francisco, but Quinn Martin was making quite a few different shows at the time, so I did all those. Uh, you know, right. That um, Barnaby Jones and some others most wanted things that most people have never heard of, but then I was working at Universal Studios. Uh, they put me under kind of a 15-minute, um, uh, you know, right to refuse. They could fire me right. anytime, but I did a bunch right. of things like Bionic Woman and shows like that uh, really? for Universal, and it just uh, it just kept going, and I. Been, I've directed a lot of episodic television and a couple of movies and movies of the week, things like that. So uh, uh, that uh, how how it all started. Uh, so here we are in uh, 2000. How complex was it back in the, in the 70s? How complex was it? I mean, no, I know how difficult it is today, and it's it's nowhere even close to how difficult it might have been back then. Uh, just thinking about film and time and budget and. and People aren't well, willing to take chances for certain things. How how, ex- how different was it uh, in well, the seventies compared to two thousand fourteen? Well, you know, filming. Uh, even though now they do everything on video, uh, you know, uh, with uh, it seems easier, but they still have to light it. You still have to have all. I mean, I go. I visited my son who works on a show called Revenge. A few. Yes. A month ago, and it it looks exactly like a movie company did. 20 years ago. I mean, there's just as many trucks, just as many lights, 
and you still need uh, the makeup and hair, and uh, you have to direct the actors and stage it. Uh, right. it, it has. I think it's it's easier now for directors, or especially the camera people, because they don't have to thread film through a camera and they, and uh, that sort of thing. But they still. And now it's tech, uh, and you can watch what you shoot, which is because um, before you had to wait till the next day to see if the film was really what you wanted. And right. uh, with the video now, you can say no, that wasn't any good, and and you can you don't have to stop and reload. You can just film all day on a on a uh, you know on one yeah, disc. Or, yeah, do you uh, find now that you're you're able to do that? Do you find that people question themselves more nowadays than they used to? Because before you'd have to. You know, measure twice, cut once. Nowadays, well, you can pretty much go back and reshoot. Yeah, well, now uh, everybody sits around a monitor, and so you know, the, uh, you have as a director, you say, <laughs> you know, you have to decide. Uh, you know, if the actors right. come and look at it after the, you know, and say, well, I want to do it again. Well, you can. It's like anything; you always can do it better. So somebody has to be in charge and say, no, that was. That was as good as it's going to get. Uh, and um, right, right. Uh, I, I, when I was doing like this series, I did uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. It got to the point oh, after yeah. each, each take, the, the the whole group of uh, the Norris family and uh, the production, uh, you know, his, <laughs> there were like eight of them. They would all come and yeah. look at it. And, uh, you know, so you start wasting a lot of time. Uh, people, everybody has an opinion. So uh, right. I, I think you know back when directors were John Ford or somebody like that, you know the famous, you know, they 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 were the only one who who, who made the decision whether to print it or not. So it was right. But but now I you know but it's still the same process. Well, Raul, we we heard Michael talk about his past, and it seems like it's it's film and, and television episodic uh, show heavy. Whereas I hear about your past, and it sounds like more economic, more educational based. But what what is it about your your education, your background that led you towards movies? I think um, the way I approach things is based on a project management approach. You know, like mm -hmm. for any project, you know, you you talk about the basic items. You know, personal management, resources management, time management. I mean, to me, they're all the same. So if we apply, whether we're doing a video game, we're doing a, a short film or a feature film or anything else, that's always the approach that I take. So it's more like a manager of your right. of your of your resources. And right. I'm not much of the, well, I wouldn't say that, but I'm not dabbling into the creative side of our show. We let the real great guys, the writers, do that for us. But me, I just make sure as a producer... Make sure that the resources are there when they need it. The personnel there are there when we need them to be there, and you know, and they're all on time. <laughs> you know, just like a project. Right. You know, I'm a producer as well. I'm, I'm a writer, but I produce an executive producer myself, and it's very difficult to explain to people what a producer's job is. They often think of a producer's job as being like a nanny almost. But can you please explain <laughs> to us what a right? I mean, it almost is. Let's be honest. But but yeah. but really, what what is a producer's job? What is their number one job on set or before management. set? Really, in pre-production, <laughs> yeah. right? I think management. Can, is very, very, is, yeah, 
you're like a manager of a, a company. You know, you have you have the, you know, all the different departments. You have the human resources, you have sales, you have marketing, all that stuff. In this case, you have the writers. You know, you have the the talent. You have the the the, the rest of the crew members. It's just basically you're a manager of, of the people. That's the number one right. job of a producer. You know, I mean that's the bottom line. One ex, one explanation. You're the manager, and you make sure right. that everything's flowing the right way. Everything is on schedule, and everything else is connecting. That's the number right. one job. Out of the management skills that you need to use, the communication skills that you need to use, and also the mother get the money gathering uh, issues that you need to, to use, which one do you think is the most important as a producer uh, in your line of work? I think the most important is to be able to be a well, you might say a negotiator, a communicator between your people. I mean, you right. got to make sure that everybody's happy, everybody's happy at the same time, <laughs> you know, so they're all working right, good, right. you know, <laughs> and and you have to make sure that everybody's on the right schedule. Hey, you know what, you know, you got to be here on this time, you got to be on this time, a lot of follow-up. I think that's the most important is to, to be able to schedule your people the right time and to be able to cater to the needs of your team members, you know, right. at the right moment. That's the most important skill. Right. Mike, Michael, tell me, in in the 70s and 80s, when you had producers, are, is there a big difference or a leap in production or in the way producers handle things uh, maybe 30 years ago or 40 years ago opposed to how they handle it now? Yeah, it's a big difference. Is, um, we used to have... Uh, one, like an executive producer, and his job was basically in television to uh, make a deal with the network and then right. hire the correct people, surround himself by with the right director and hire all the people that he could trust. But uh, uh, I think, like the show that, because I'm my son works on it, I, I think there's like 20 producers and most of them are executive producers. What they are really is writers who are given a, a, a better title in lieu of money. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so you you look at the credits, and they, uh, you know, like NCIS. My God, they they just keep coming and coming and coming. <laughs> and back then, uh, on some of the shows I was doing in the 70s, um, early 80s, they we had really one producer, an executive producer who owned the company, like a Quinn Martin or a Stephen Cannell. Uh, and, right. and then we would have like maybe one or two producers, one that ran a line producer who was responsible for the money and one producer who was uh, more responsible for the story content, hire the writers and and, uh, right. and make sure that the show, uh, whatever it was, uh, followed the same line. <laughs> and then the rest, um, they, they had not so many producers, is what I'm trying to say. Right. But now it's great. Right. I mean, uh, uh, and uh, my son tells me that uh, there are executive producers that have never been on the set. They, they've, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they come, they don't know anyone. They don't know what what uh, what's going on. They just wrote the script, and uh, you know, they basically uh, they have that talent. But they give yes. us credit, which is a good, you know, good deal. It's nice. You, you're, yeah. you're in the old days when we faked it till we made it, but we we pretended like we knew what we were doing. 
But nowadays, oh. people walk on the set, they, they fake it until they make it, but they, they don't pretend like they know what they're doing. They actually walk in like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I remember the first time I worked at locations, there wasn't Google, there wasn't anything. And I'm like, what the hell is location manager? So I had a guy yeah. to talk to people on what a location, location manager's job was, and it took me two years to totally understand. Yeah, well, so the location manager is a very important job because uh, when I was uh, up in the streets of San Francisco, they would would shoot at people's homes and in businesses, and uh, right. they, um, you know, they go in and convince them that you're going to have uh, 40 people there tomorrow morning at <laughs> 7 o'clock. <laughs> we're going to invade right. your house, and uh, you right. know it's difficult. I, and one of my favorites was that we were down in Dallas doing a show, and the product, the location manager went to these people in uh, business and asked if we could film there. And he said, "Well, how much is it?" And they said, "Well, we'll give you uh, no, it's a thousand dollars." He said, "Oh, I can't afford that." And then we, <laughs> the location manager oh, said, "No, we pay you. We, you don't have to pay us." He thought. <laughs> He had to pay to have his store in the uh, on the television show, so things like that happen all the time. That is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I remember working on, on a on a video shoot, and uh, in, in Pasadena you cannot shoot before six a.m. in the morning, as you know. And this guy was a first time director, so he he, he did everybody has a call sheet at five thirty in the morning, and we showed up towards an illegal shoot. So I, yeah. I thought that was very interesting <laughs> that. When people right, when people don't understand the rules, they make funky, funky rules. Now, now, Raul, how did you get into the production aspect with with Michael? I mean, there there has to be some kind of touch base communication for you to have met and for you to be on these projects together. What, what is the catalyst that brought you two together? Um, I think the real catalyst for all of us uh, in the team is actually creator Joe Mendoza. He hmm brought the, the, the key players together. He had known Michael, uh, and he had known another gentleman, uh, Neil Spruce, who is a, a global fitness icon. And he had put together the key people, and that's how I started working with uh, Michael and with Neil uh, through Joe. Um, and then just uh, it just evolved and evolved into where we are now. We I brought in, I brought in uh, a director, J.J. Rogers, um, uh, right. From our side, and then that, and JJ brought another gentleman, Frank Mora, who is our assistant director and also our associate producer. So he just sprung from there. People knowing other people who we trust and who have worked with before, and then all of a sudden we became a family. <laughs> you know, right, right. Now I spoke to JJ. JJ seems like a very casual and calm human being. So the the film, the film that you all were working on, what is the film that you're all working on together? Oh, you mean the, the it's a TV show actually about fitness. Right. We call Iron Fitness TV. It actually started with a website called ironfitness.com where we were going to work with uh, articles about fitness, products. We want to feature products for people to know about and, and all those things. And then Joe and I were talking one day and said, you know what? We need to promote this through probably other, you know, medias like social media, video, all that stuff. And he said, "Yeah, right. let's do, let's try to make a, a video of it." That's how we started. Let's just start a video, maybe use viral marketing, and we start from there. And then it just evolved and evolved. And and we met a G 
gentleman who knew about a studio. He referred us to the studio, and then we went to look at the setup and say, "Oh my God, we can do a TV show here." And then we said, "Oh, we got, but we gotta have the players. We gotta have the players. We gotta have veteran leadership. You know, that's where Michael comes in from the entertainment side. Neil Spruce right. comes in from the fitness side. You know, these two giants coming together and said, "Hey, these two worlds can merge. You know, and the product could be on Fitness TV." Well, you know, where we show products, we talk to people, and you know, and we show we show different new things about the fitness world, lifestyles, and it just it just evolved from there. That's awesome. Now, I am Fitness TV. Are you going to focus on some American giants, some European giants, or are you going to focus purely on the physical aspect as well as the mental aspect of working out and what have you? Um. I think if you ask different people, they probably have a lot of different opinions. Uh, I remember uh, Neil Spruce talking about uh, the biggest the biggest item in fitness for him is motivation, and and him being the, a giant, he he had Apex, he has CrossFit. He was really into the motivation, and, and I remember uh, Michael also talking about hey, you know, you can hire a personal trainer. And they'll be knocking on your door every morning at 8 a.m. And I'll get up and do our exercise. But I think our main focus are for the people who want to do it for themselves. You know, they can learn. They can learn nutrition. They can learn proper exercising. Basically, they can learn what to do. You know, hey, I'm stuck. I want to change my life. What do I do? And that's how our show is uh, geared for. And that's how our website is geared for. So that, that's really what our focus is. And as a matter of fact, I think Michael can agree with me that we had a young uh, a, a young lady, and she had a great life story because she was extremely overweight for her size. And if she hadn't changed her ways, she could have died. And but of course, not having the resources, she had to learn it for him, for herself. And now mm-hmm. she went from forty five plus percent body weight. Now she's like 18 or maybe less. Wow. Wow. I know. And she learned That's it all right. by herself. So it's about great. saving people's lives. Motivation yep. and saving people's lives. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Well, that, that's amazing. Yep. Michael, may, Michael, do you touch base on your ability to, for longevity? Because obviously, if you're certain off as a, as a producer, writer, director in the 70s, and you're still working today, you obviously have stamina and longevity. Do, do you feel like you that that was an additional perspective that you can bring to this project? Uh, yes, I, because when I uh, I've always been uh, trying to stay in shape, and sometimes working on film and television, it's very difficult to, because the hours are long uh, and right. uh, it's difficult to get up at you know five o'clock in the morning and do a five mile right. run. Or you go and spend a twelve-hour day on a set. So, right. but uh, I've always, you know, tried to stay in shape, and now I, it's easier because I'm not working as much, but playing tennis and and going to the gym and all that. But I, also, I, I've been lucky that usually the lead in most TV shows has always been in great shape. You know, especially right. being around someone like Chuck Norris and uh, or. Um, you know, I worked on MacGyver, and he was always in great condition. And so, 
And I was lucky enough, one of my first television shows, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was the guest star on that episode. Wow. And, you know, that uh, was uh, kind of an inspiration because, you know, you go over to this, the, uh, you know, the snack table, and instead of picking up a donut, you pick up some carrots because he's there, you know. So you get that going, and then you want to be the inspiration. And I right. think that's what this this show is doing. Um, there's a uh, that the one that Raul was talking about this uh, Courtney. She, um, uh, you know, she was uh, I think uh, you know way overweight and, and had problems, and and now she's an inspiration. So we're going to tell a lot of stories like that, and then have personal trainers on diet people. And they did last week. They filmed a. Um, uh, a woman that has a truck that you can uh, test your fat level uh, by getting into an wow. uh, underwater thing. and So there will be all kinds of interesting people interviewed and their, uh, their, uh, how they stay in shape or why they sh- want to stay in shape just for health or for to look good on film. So there's all kinds of uh, good uh, good stories out of this um yeah, there's so many different aspects to this oh, yeah. storylines with the sh- show. I mean, you can go in so many different directions from, you know, people yeah. in the industry who want to lose weight to shame, sort of a fat shaming to a lot of different things. That, that's incredible. What, what what inspired you to, to, to tackle the subject matter when touchy subject in America being the obesity problem that we have in this country and, and the lack of, of, of health that we have in this country as well? Yeah, I I think... Everybody, <laughs> nobody wants to be fat, but it's just difficult right. to, uh, you know, we're surrounded by food all day long, uh, uh, and especially sure. on movie sets. It's it's uh, uh, it's awful. I mean, you go on a set and the craft service puts out, uh, you know, starting it right after breakfast right. because they feed you breakfast, and then you have sure. their snacks until lunch, and they bring around <laughs> Cheese trays. I mean, it's 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 very good. I mean, it's wonderful food. But you, yeah. uh, you have to discipline yourself and say, no, I'm not going to eat a uh, you know a, a donut just 20 minutes before lunch. That kind of thing. Right. But uh, well, it's been that way for a number of years, as opposed to really? the way it was when I started in the business, where they put oh, out yeah. uh, nothing, a coffee and water. Really. Yeah, Coffee you know, back then they, they, there was that, that basically the, the same guy who puts out the food now, the craft service, their job was yes. to sweep up cigarette butts and clean up after horses if you were doing a Western. And then they started. No doubt. Oh, there was a way of making a little money. They'd put out a dozen hard-boiled eggs, and you'd pay 10 cents a piece for them. It was, I remember what? that. And yeah, that was what craft service I, did. And I'd say, have you washed your hands since you cleaned up after that horse? What? Uh, I don't even know if anybody in the snacks. world would want to make a movie if there wasn't craft services like it is today. <laughs> uh, not, nothing. I mean, it wasn't even that way when we were doing, you know, Dallas. MacGyver? Uh, really? The craft service no. uh, put out carrot sticks I, yeah, I or watch, something. I, I anyway, love Dallas. It, this I, is a I relatively new phenomenon. And uh, really? it, it yeah, the first time I ever really uh, saw it was up in uh, in Canada, where they started. Uh, they had more and more food every day, and it's right. up to the producers that they're paying for it. So, um, right, yeah. My, 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 let's go back because I, I love Dallas, and I I watched 
Dallas. I'm, I'm a little bit older than, than, our, than the audience that we have right now, unfortunately. Yeah, we have a lot of people listening right now, which is really nice. And they're, they're listening and going, I hope I understand what the hell they're talking about. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, thinking about Dallas, and, and, and by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dallas is an excellent soap opera that was back at the, back in the 80s. They, they spawned off a spinoff called Falcon's Crest, which was awesome as well. And if you do like simple and um, extraordinary drama that's made in a soap opera world in Texas. Uh, Dallas and, and uh, Falcon's Crest, you cannot go wrong. Let me ask you a question about that set. So you're working on that set, and you have all these personalities. They're, they're basically all on their A game as far as acting goes, knowing what they're doing, and they don't have craft services. What do well, they do? I'll tell you, I can remember being down in Dallas where we had, uh, it was hot. Uh, the first yes. few years of Dallas, we we went in the summertime for because that's when the network gave the company the money. And then later when it got popular, they tried to go in different, you know, in cooler times of the year before, like in April. But at first right. we were filming in June and July. And if you've ever been in Dallas in June and July, it's, it's it's hot, <laughs> and uh, they would put out. Uh, this, this guy would get a jar of like Maria's um, um, uh, blue cheese dressing. You know the jar of it, and he yes, put that sure. out with some celery and some uh, some round crackers that you could dip in. You mean like a like a Sunday church meeting? And this stuff is oh. sitting in the sun, and you oh, know. And, and that and, and they would have water and and then coffee in the morning. That was the first almost through the entire Dallas. They never had a fancy wow. service. And then I compare wow. uh, it to when I, I was working on this series called Seventh Heaven, and they had a very elaborate uh, craft yeah. service. Uh, and they, they, you know, they the person they they paid him just to do that, nothing else. There wasn't another right. part of job. It wasn't uh, sweeping up cigarette butts and things like that or picking up Let me ask you a question. When set. you first saw the craft services the way it is in modern times, did you start sticking food in your pockets? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, you'd see all this stuff and you'd say, well, you know, I'm going to take that home, especially when you're on location. Away. You know, you'd say, well, you're gosh. Insane. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I worked on music. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I worked on music videos where they had like, uh, you know, twenty-four packs of water they were just leaving behind. I just take it. Away. Yeah. What are you crazy? I'm taking this with me. Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> oh, guys do uh, take it home. I remember, uh, you know, way back at you know, I was working on as a script advisor at MGM, and uh, they uh, the um, commissary was owned by the studio, and the executives on Friday nights would back their car up to next to the commissary and take home the food that they had not sold or, or like, and, and these guys all lived in, you know, Bel Air. Million dollar houses. Or wherever, you yeah. Know. You'd say, of course they And did. you'd say, why are they taking that food for the, and one guy said it was for the uh, poor kids on his block that, and the, the, you know, living in Beverly Hills. Were poor kids. Yeah, but, his son's. <laughs> but I guess they could serve it to friends around the pool on sure. Sunday. Yeah. But so, so tell me, Raul, you you came into the film industry a little bit later on. Did you, when when in this timeline, the Terminator timeline that we're speaking of right now, 
do you enter into what we consider the film industry? Uh, probably uh, the mid-2000s when I started. You know, I started helping out in small projects in indirect ways. And then I started uh, I started uh, dabbling in short films, you know. Um, we we had this festival we attended, and our first time, and I'm thinking, man, what are we going to do for a story? <laughs> I was like, I said, what are we going to do, man? Okay, we got this, we got this. So a, a friend of ours suggested, why don't you contact this gentleman? So we ended up doing a script, or a story, actually. Another uh, gentleman had written the script for that. It was, so we right. attended... Uh, we made a short film whose story was created by David Zucker. So Ooh. I said, oh, this is uh, David Zucker. Uh, he's like a, he writes comedy and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah. Yeah, And I said, oh, let's go. Let's, let's do it. So, and he wrote a story for us. They actually wrote the story. Uh, we were in Panera Bread, I think. So he wrote the story on a napkin. I said, oh, this, this is a story, dude. So, <laughs> so I, gave it, I gave it to a guy. Oh, hey, what do I do next, man? What do I do? They said, oh, no, you give it to some guy who can write a script for it, do some dialogue. Oh, okay, so so I gave it to some guy who did it, and he wrote it for us. And then one thing led to the other, and all of a sudden we're filming with uh, a small crew. We were even filming with uh, 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 lots of different cameras, lighting, and said, whoa. I said, I never thought this was this elaborate, even for a short film, you know? Right. So, so I said, we'll do that. And then it led me to another, we wanted to do a Western, you know, where, where the Western was like, oh, the Western's coming back, blah, blah, blah. So we were trying to work with this young graduate from, you know, the film school. And he said, oh, I got this, I got this idea, so we're doing this. We went over to that ranch in, uh, Cat- not, not Catalina, but um, uh, Valencia, you know, there's a couple of ranches out there that were built just for yeah. I mean, Western. Mm-hmm. We went over there and we met this other gentleman who had all the equipment, vests, you know, saddles, guns, you name it. And after I looked at him, I'm like, oh, my God, he's one of the actors for Tombstone. <laughs> I guess he picked up all the equipment. <laughs> yeah, I guess he purchased all the equipment, and he's like, he's now like the, 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 uh, the premier rental for Western stuff, right? Wow. And, you know, I know, it's just like, wow, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then uh, the funny part was this gentleman who, the young gentleman who wrote the script, I guess now I'm going to take my story to another place. And we ended up, okay, now we're stuck. You know, and this is how I learned that you need these pieces all working at the same time. It's like, oh, my God, we're stuck. We got the equipment. We got no story. So I said, okay. So I reached out to a gentleman that, that I had worked with before. And he said, don't worry about it. Let's meet at this restaurant on sunset, I got something for you, don't worry. We got in there, and the moment we sat there, he threw me an envelope, and I opened it up, there was a story for a Western. Oh, this is cool, this wow. is cool. To this day, I'm, and it was written by a gentleman who had, let's just say, had received awards in the industry. And I guess he had a lot of shorts hanging around his house, and, you know, and he said, okay, I can, I, can I use this? He gave it to me. And then the, the the story uh required two Americans and one British guy and I don't know how it happened but we were even talking to Michael McDowell for the for the English gentleman part. Nice. So, I know, it's like okay. Uh, I, I met him at the, I met him at the, an event for Ray Bradbury. Because Ray Bradbury had, you know, was uh was being honored 
uh, you know, for you know, the author of uh, Fahrenheit 451. Yes. Yes. He, he was being honored at the time. We were all in Ohio, Ohio, California. We were all there, and yeah. we, we saw his play about his life and how he did it. And I was talking to um, uh, Malcolm, and so I'm interested, you know, and, and all that stuff. And but up to this day, I'm still contemplating on on, on doing the shoot. So one day I'll I'll produce that little western that we have, and you know, and and maybe that'll be uh, one of my I guess one of my shining moments <laughs> in the sure. in, in my in my life of a short film. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening in to Cinema Files of Radio. I'm your co-host here, or your host here, Steve Pisa. Call in, please, uh, 657-383-1444. We have Michael Preeson and Ralph Sanchez. We're talking about IM Fitness TV and several other projects in their lives. Uh, tell me, Ralph, uh, working with Michael Preece, uh you also mentioned J.J. Uh, uh, Rogers as well. I know J.J. Rogers did the horse story. We had him on the show just recently. Uh, you, yes. Ralph, you don't just get into production. How how did you get into production? Did you just walk in and say, I'm a producer one day? Or did somebody uh, give you the opportunity? I mean, how, how did this whole thing happen? Uh, actually, uh, it was, I met J.J. Rogers through a mutual person. Uh, unfortunately, that project with that mutual person didn't go anywhere. But the nice thing about it, I kept my friendship with J.J. And in between, he had introduced me to a few other people. He he showed me this film festival, I, my first film festival I ever entered, and then it just went from there. And I started meeting people. I started actually I started as a volunteer in these productions. So I said, "Hey, I wonder what this is." I'm coming from a total different industry, you know. I said, "Okay, let me see this. Let me see this." And then, oh, people seem to be having fun, you know. My my first day, I was I was hoping I was carrying stuff around for people, and I was making sure, you know. Materials went to the to the right people at the right time, and said, "This is this is like a fun job." And right. then uh, and then I just from there I did this, and I I went to another short, short small production. I did this, I did this, and then we started talking to people about putting together their funding, you know. And that's how I got into the executive film production, you know, process. And um, and then you start talking to, and then I, and that's why I always end up in the business side of things because. Right. I ended up uh, meeting people who are possible. Here's the biggest thing. From that point of view, the hardest thing is to marry the investors and the owners of the project. <laughs> you know? Right. You see you, you see the you see the street, right? I remember I was living in New York City. You see the street. One people on one side of the street and the other people on the other side of the street. One side of the investors and one side of the project people. Now you think, oh, this piece this is a simple job, right? All I have to do is, you know, put them together, no problem. Man, they say that is the hardest job of them all because unless you find that one link, that one bridge that you can bridge these people together, that's the hardest job. No, I don't I don't care what they say. That is the hardest job is to marry right. the right project to the right investor. Right. That's how I got into that. And then from there, I said, Maybe I should learn a little bit about the creative side, and that's why I mentioned right. earlier that the biggest producer, one word, you're the manager, the manager right. of department. That's what it is. And you know, I I I I relied on my my previous skills in being manager of different departments of different companies, and and I guess I'm very fortunate that I was able to transition with these skills into what I'm doing now. Right. 
Michael, let me let me ask you, you. You were part of television when television was at its golden era. I mean, we're talking about the Three's Company era. We're talking about the I Love Lucy repeat episode era. We're talking about the era in which television was being made into what we see today. What is what is the differences you see today in episodic television, if not movies, and what are the things you see that are similar? And, and let me give you a little example. When when Raul was talking about, when Raul was talking, the thing I hear is it's who you know, and also what I hear is how nice you are, which is something that's been common in the film and TV show industry for as long as <laughs> it's ever been alive. Do you find it to be true, and what is your opinion on that fact? Well, yeah, it, it's true. It's who you know. Um, yeah. When I started, I, because my mother was in the business, that's how I got in. Then uh, you meet people uh, on sets. Uh, I met, uh, actually, on a location one time, I met Leonard Katzman. And uh, wow. he ended up uh, creating and starting uh, the series Dallas. And uh, he called me and said, uh, do you want to, work on Dallas, and I said, nah, I've got a really good series I'm doing right now called uh, um, The Runaways, and of course, I think they made nine episodes of The Runaways, and so it took me a year after that to get on Dallas, but it's who I knew, because I knew Lenny Katzman, so he got me on Dallas, and, uh, you know, then that kind of thing, and then uh, let me see what uh, Streets of San Francisco, I had been a script supervisor on a couple of shows. And, uh, you know, they, uh, I knew Quinn Martin. I asked him one day, can I direct a show? And he said, I knew what you wanted. Don't, don't ask. And two weeks later, I was directing. But I had had That's 20 awesome. years experience, so it wasn't like I was. So, so, you, so you asked for it. You wanted it. You I, 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 one day, I was in San Francisco working as a scripture advisor, and the, 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 the two producers, Quinn Martin and John Wilder, uh, came up to San Francisco they came on the set, said hello to everybody. They got back into the limo, and I walked over to the limo. Quinn Martin uh, put the window down. He said, don't ask. I know what you want. Rolled the window up and drove away. And literally two weeks later, I had an assignment to direct one. That is <laughs> but, awesome. But, you know, a lot of people, Michael Douglas and Carl Malden, had said to him, you know, this kid, or I wasn't a kid, but. Uh, right. Uh, uh, to them, you should yeah. get an opportunity to direct because uh, things like uh, there, we did a lot of car work on that, and uh, the uh, sound man would have to get in the trunk of the car, and then I would hide in the back seat and take the slate and everything, and then I'd have a script and we'd do the dialogue while driving with three cameras, one on the hood and one on each side of the car, and I would say to the actors, all right, uh, do that again, or uh, that was, you blew that line, do that one again. So we'd, and we'd come back, and the director never wanted to go because he couldn't get into the back, lie down in the back seat, or it was too right. old or something. And I would do it. Sure. So, you know, they knew I, I could handle people. And you could hear my voice also over the dailies back in those days, telling them what to do. Right. So I think they, they got the idea that, um, uh, that I knew what I was doing. How about niceness? What was your level of niceness? Well, yeah. were, you, were you just were you happy? Yeah, nice I never you... yelled at anybody. I remember once or twice I've yelled. Uh, you know, when you when you can't hear, everybody's talking at once. Right. And I I, I remember I can remember.
up, and I uh, and I always felt bad. I went around and apologized to everybody. It's not that I'm that nice a guy, but I mean, I was, I I did feel bad that I said that. And right, oops, I don't know what that is. You, you know, when people don't yeah. shut up, it just it's it's it, it's there. It just happens that way. <laughs> yeah, Ra- I was embarrassed by the right? fact that I said, and I didn't swear or anything, but I. Yeah, I, I found that, and I don't do it like uh, intentionally be nice to people. Right. But uh, I mean, I don't like say, "Oh, I'm going to be nice today." But uh, you know, I I think I I guess I'm basically a nice person. And and the crew cast, uh, you know, they, I, I've never had a complaint that, you know, from from a cast member that because I give them I respect them and I I like actors. And I know it's the toughest right. job on the set because just, you know, you you know, uh, suddenly yes. they put a camera on you and you, you don't know what to do with your hands. or uh, <laughs> you know, so, And, you know, people want to be actors and they and they have to go to school, just like uh, right. acting school is the most important part of their education. Because you, know, you can't just all of a sudden see actors. I. I'll give you one quick example. On, on, I was in Germany, and they had a, I think he was like a two-star general, and he had a line, and all he had to do was uh, take his finger and move it across a map and say something like, we'll attack at dawn. Well, they, mm-hmm. uh, they had a real general playing the part, and he wasn't a, an actor, and he started shaking. His hand was shaking because the camera was rolling, so they could, he couldn't get it done. So they replaced him with a private in a general's uniform, and he did it perfectly because he was a bit of an actor. So that, <laughs> that kind of thing happens. We need to fire this president guy who's the actual president and hire an actor to play the president because it's good to know how to act like the president. Yeah. That's essentially what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, they get used to public speaking, but it, but just to put a camera on, on the average person is very intimidating, and especially right. I was uh, being interviewed one time, and Tim, uh, I was doing a movie with Tim Conway and Don Knotts, and they wow. stood behind the camera, the f- people that were interviewing me, and started mocking me. And, boy, I'll tell you, you started... <laughs> You were being <laughs> mocked by Tim Conway? Message. Yeah, Tim Conway, you know, and he was a very that funny is, person. That was and I'm real, trying to do a serious interview, and they're, and these guys are and Don Knotts. They were hilarious. <laughs> the <laughs> the Kurt show was, was one of the best shows on planet Earth. Yeah, well, uh, this was a the, movie uh, called The yeah. Prize Fighter. But, uh, but, the Prize Fighter, yeah, I know the movie. And then I did a, a bunch of television shows with Tim Conway. He was—he uh, is, without a doubt, the funniest person uh, I've oh, ever known. Tim Conway is, is, is special, and you know, and, and a lot of people know him from like being on his knees and playing like the derpy derpy character. But they actually don't realize his his vast uh, acting career, and, and and he's a comedic genius, and his timing is spot yeah. on. You talk about. Karl Marx, and you talk about the Marx Brothers, and you talk about the Stooges, and you talk about yeah. Laurel and Hardy. This is a modern person who's by himself almost. And this is when he was Carol Burnett. He does such a great job. But well, he, he doesn't didn't have any... What? If you go out to dinner with Tim, he doesn't need... I mean, he can pick up the salt and pepper shaker and do 15 minutes with him. You know, that wow. that kind of humor. Uh, so uh, uh, when we were doing this one series called Ace Crawford, which we only made five, 
It was uh, because it would happen to come out the same time a, a big hit series came out at the same night, so it, it never made it. But Tim, one episode we were like four minutes short, and so he just took a roll of scotch tape and a and a and a duster and dusted off some typewriters. And uh, filled up four minutes. Uh, it was hilarious. We just put two cameras on him. I couldn't even watch it because I'd, I'd ruin the sound. Right. Yeah. Tell me, Raul, uh, listening to these stories from Michael, uh, are these are, are these shows that you watched as a, as a, as a youngster too? Or are these things that inspired you as, as a as a, a creator as well? Um, you know, I've always loved watching movies. I've always loved watching shows. I guess you might say that it kind of inspired me to work in the industry. You know, but it was a long process for me because I was coming from the other side. I was coming from the business side of things then. And like Michael said, I mean, for some people, you know, putting a camera in front of them is kind of intimidating. For me, trying to break into this side was a real challenge because, well, you know, am I going to be flexible enough to to, you know, to change into that different, a different mode? You know, am I going to be able to am I, am I able to, to work with people who are probably you know you got to work differently with creative types, and you got you got to work differently with 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 process types and you know or or results oriented versus process oriented. This is the kind of environment I come from. So, Correct. but it was good. I mean, you know, I it was I think the people that I met along the way helped me helped me get through because I found them to be funny. I found them to be very helpful. I found them to be, you know, to to be inviting. So I think it was it was it was. I'm a I'm a very fortunate guy to be able to walk that road to where I am now. So, uh, are there are there any movies or shows that inspired you to to go down? For for me, I'm a first generation American. Both my parents came from different countries. So being born born in this country, my my parents were really into cinema. My tenth birthday, I got two movies. I got. Rambo: First Blood and The Secret of Nim, which which shows you I love how my parents, right? Which, which actually, yeah. Secret of Nim is actually a little more violent to me because it's animated. So, yeah. so my, uh, my parents were really into cinema, and they would take us to Poltergeist, E.T., Jaws, uh, you know, everything we can possibly ingest. Because in their countries, cinema was so important. Now, Raul or Michael, did you have Anything like that in your past, uh, family or anything like that, that that loved cinema, that kind of drew you into that direction, or when you think of it back subconsciously, it, it inspired you. Well, my mother was in the uh, in the business part of the film business, but I, uh, as a kid, uh, I did go to a movie every Saturday at least, and. The ones that really impressed me, interesting enough, were John Ford westerns like Red River. I guess he yes. But, but I, I I always loved westerns, and uh, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I'm involved in one now that we're trying to make in Santa Fe, New Mexico, when the storm god rides. And uh, the hardest thing is uh, we've got a script and. Is getting the money. So, uh, but yes. back then it was more of a studio system. And uh, but I, I, I always have loved movies, and uh, and my children are all movie fans. My, uh, you know, that and everybody in my family somehow is involved in the film business. So, yeah, it's right. just 
in our in our blood, I guess. In your blood, your DNA. Yeah, I mean, I was How lucky when I was a scripture advisor. I worked with so many movie stars. Uh, you know, I did uh, several movies with Brando and and uh, and Charlton Heston and things like that before I started directing. So I was, I had a uh, in those days. You know, every Monday you'd come home and what'd you see over the weekend? So. I, well, I, I need to go back on this. So, with Brando, which which stage of Brando were you involved? Well, in? it was his the, later stages. I did, I did a, 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 a replace a script supervisor on a movie called One Eyed Jacks just for a short time, and I met Jack, him. And then I worked on on a Mutiny that, on the that Bounty. Is, that that is my two years on that movie with Brando. And then we did another one called Moratory, uh, which was a yes. picture with Yule Brenner and Marlon Brando. And, um, and that's about it. But I was around him a lot uh, when he was doing uh, The Ugly American and mm-hmm. uh, other things because we became uh, kind of friendly back in, in those days, in the uh, 60s, early 60s. But, right. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, at that time, he was one of the fittest men I've ever <laughs> No, I mean, we would go in Tahiti. We went running and, and doing sit-ups and everything, all, you know, push-ups and sit-ups because he wanted to be fit. And then I don't right. know what happened. Got fat. <laughs> a lot of people don't remember him for a streetcar named Desire, but that is such a powerful character yeah. and such a powerful person. That's always the way... I remember him is from a streetcar. Now, Raul, go, go to you as well. Were there any movies or, or any cinema with your family or, or subconsciously that that kind of lent you into this direction? You know, a lot of us, it's Indiana Jones or, or Star Wars. or what, what was it for you? Was there something that, that a movie or an image that locked into your brain? I think that I was always moved by digital cinema. I mean, I started from Star Wars and said, "Whoa, this is a, this is a phenomenal thing." But I think, for me, people might find it funny, but what really pushed me to the edge was one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. <laughs> you know, it was, a, for, yeah. it was for me. It was a combination of uh, the action, you know, being martial arts action, you know, and then uh, and then the digital uh, aspect of doing film, and like, wow. Yeah, I can actually do something with this. You know, all you need is a computer, you know, and perhaps, you know, do all, a lot of these things. And that really, that really, I guess, opened the way for me. I, I said, I love this type of way of making film. And, and you know, and and you really don't need a whole lot of equipment, you know, to do all this stuff. And, but right. of course, I was, I was <laughs> you know, grossly misinformed <laughs> at the time. Right. You know, but, but it was really, whoa, this is a great path for me. I can really do this. Especially nowadays, that um, there's a million digital networks out there now, you know, and and everybody's fighting for content, you know. And I said, wow, this is a great opportunity for. I mean, of course, not of course being. We're very fortunate having the likes of, uh, you know, Michael Priest and Neil Spruce to, to to back us up. This is awesome. But being able to, I mean, like look, look at the, the the internet now. The, the way social media is being used, the way and a regular person would broadcast their stuff, right? Would broadcast right. their own videos, their own. I mean, they got the Instagram, the Facebook, you know, you name it, and it's all available right. to everybody. And that is why total different world as far as filmmaking is for me. 
and it's and I think the merging of old school and new school can a can be phenomenal. You know, in my opinion, definitely right. phenomenal. But also, it's kind of funny rumor that my grandmother dated uh, Charlton Heston, but who knows? You know, you never know family lore, you know, family folklore. You never know, right? Sure, yeah, they yeah. know. Yeah, well, they know, but hey, I have to see that to believe it. But hey, you know, hey, I give you that. I give credit to my grandmother. No problem. Uh, you know, I'll take I'll take your word for it. You know. Right, that's kind of funny. So, so, so my, my, Michael, things are changing so fast. I mean, you're looking at Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, and these guys are all creating their own content. They're all filming their own shows, their own movie. It's more. We have more abilities now than ever to create our projects. Does that create a bigger problem, or does that shrink the problem of content in today's cinema? Yeah, well, I think people have uh, wider choices now. Uh, you know, there are a lot of friends of mine, and they're younger, not uh, everybody's my age, but uh, they end up watching this, uh, you know, like Channel 20 here in Los Angeles, which is, mm. <laughs> you know, Gilligan's <laughs> Island and things like that. And, and right. uh, the kids get to watch that old stuff, and yet you can w- w- watch it on your phone while you're waiting in a doctor's office, which is kind of, right. uh, for me, great. The best thing about uh, on this show that uh, I on Fitness TV, we they had a drone out at the Steel Spruce's home, and uh, uh, with a uh, a, um, pro, a GoPro camera on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they, uh, I I I said, oh my God, I'm glad they didn't have that when we were doing Walker Texas Ranger because I would have gone crazy with it and probably <laughs> gone longer hours because I love that right. thing. You know, you can start on a close-up of somebody and pull back to infinity with this little uh, helicopter. I love it. You know, that modern, right. uh, to me, that's that's a huge tool. Not that it, it can be used too much, but it's just, all, all, I love all of the, the new cameras. Uh, they were filming in front of my house one night, and, God, they had like four cameras working, and none of them were any bigger than, uh, you know, not much bigger than your cell phone. And uh, right. I think, like, if you're going to do a car chase, have everybody turn their cell phone on and, and see the car crash and <laughs> yep. and just put it all in the right. film. Because, you know, it used to be you, had to, you were lucky to have two or three cameras on a car crash or something. And now, God, you right. can have have them everywhere, you know. And and they're, they're $200. So if you, if you wreck one on a movie, it doesn't matter. You know? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean it's not Got like it. uh, you know they used to bury cameras, and now I love on you know in baseball games they put they have one on the mound so you can you know hide it in the dirt underneath the pitcher. Oh, it's so the same. Yeah, it's, I don't it's, like it's your wonderful. I mean, I I'm all for it. Um, uh, the new tools, and you know, I don't uh, I don't think anyone has the time to see everything that's on. So you kind of make your. Right. Um, you know your your whatever you you like and but it's I think we all have the same problem you know you you're sitting there watching television and you say oh god there's nothing on or god sakes right. I got 700 channels and I can't find anything I want to watch <laughs> <laughs> well Michael that, that brings me to my next question you know uh, back when we back when I was a kid you know we we really didn't have many channels we had what 
seven yeah, channels if we were lucky. Seven and eleven. Yeah, yeah we we're lucky to have those channels. And if your show was on, we were going to watch it purely based on the fact that it was new content. And that does lead me to the next question of, of content, which is there are 700 channels, and there is a different way for us to promote ourselves now. Is Do you find that to be the, the more difficult part nowadays, or is it the same, or, or, there's a change, or are you just evolving to it? Well, uh, I, uh, I think one of my problems is, is some shows I don't even know they're on. And somebody will say, right. oh, you know, there's a very good show on – on uh, a British detective show or uh, something like that. And uh, I don't know how you would find out it was on unless you're really a student of, of not TV Guide so much, but of finding out how, you know, how would you know it's on. And, and I, like, right. I'll, I'll, I'll see some people and I say, oh, have you seen this, you know, whatever it was called, Broad Beach or, what, uh, or uh, I don't know, a British series. And they they never heard of it. And I said, well, you can now you can get it. You, you can you know right. You can get anything. But I, I, so I I think you still need to promote things like uh, and how how that's done is I I don't know. <laughs> you know, right. it's up to those people that publicize. It's like this show. How will we get people to know it's on the uh, on television? Right. Uh, well, that goes into our next question, which is. I am Fitness TV. Where are we going to see this? Uh, you, you said you already have a couple episodes in the can. Uh, yes, we actually we have enough to probably put together four or five episodes. Which is, nice. But uh, right now we're editing. You know, we're, we're in so process. So it, it's of called it's called I am Fitness TV. Who's directing yes. it? Who's writing it? Who's starring in it? Uh, basically, our director is uh, JJ Rogers, actually. He has directed mm. uh, the, the, all the episodes to this day, and uh, writing. It's a bunch of uh, it's a bunch of uh, different people writing uh, different segments. Uh, as far right. as our host, we have uh, Kelsey Lee. She is a bit of a, a fitness personality herself, actually. Yes. She is the very first person we started with. She was gracious really? enough to make a video, an introduction video to our website. So when you click onto the website imfitness.com, her video pops out, you know, welcoming people and you know all that stuff. Wow! And then that's, that's like, oh, sweet. Man. She's actually she's the very first person we started with. Joe and I started with her, and then it evolved to different characters. Like we have John Potero, who's actually an author <laughs> of twelve books in fitness. He is a he is a, the, the president of six different companies all geared around fitness then. He's one of our uh, main hosts, along with Kelsey. Wow, nice. Yeah, I know. And then we have, and and we have, and talk about being fit, man. He's the epitome of being fit. <laughs> you know, he's a, <laughs> I mean, Jack here, John Patera is yeah. in better shape than anyone I've ever seen in my life. I think he has like four percent body fat, and I, I uh, you don't want to stand next to him because he, lo- he looks so good. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think he's better fit than any of us combined. Oh, my God. Up. He's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, and then we have uh, awesome. Keely. Yeah, we have Keely Bright. She is not only a, she's a, a, a bachelor's degree in, uh, in in kinesiology, I think, and then minor with uh, fitness. So they really know their stuff, which is a great foundation to start with, you know. 
people, I don't have to teach them fitness. They already know fitness. They are fitness. You know, so that right. was a great start for us. But then again, you got to have the entertainment aspect and where J.J. Roger comes in, you know, Michael Priest comes right. in. They'll be able to mold that knowledge, to be able to mold that where the audience, our target audience, you can, you can appreciate it and, and, and ingest right. it in a way where it motiv- uh, motivates them to do something about, you know, moving from where they are now to where they want to go. And also, right. Raul, you should tell them about it's going to be done uh, with a Spanish uh, oh, yes, version, thank you. too. Thank you. Um, uh, I guess half of the world being Spanish-speaking uh, world. That's right. We wanted to do a, we wanted to create a Spanish version of the show. We've already chosen nice. a beautiful, a beautiful uh, uh, host. Uh, her name is Julia Chadez. She is not only fit, she's gorgeous, a former U.S. Marine. <laughs> I mean, wow. you know, like, I've never seen U.S. Marines like looking like her, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect fit. So we're, 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 we'll, we'll be seeing, okay, remember when uh, different characters from NCIS were introduced in JAG? And, yes. and that's how we're doing it right now. We're introducing her into our main show right now so that she can spin off properly to the Spanish show. Basically, that's, no, that's incredible. That's, that's incredibly, incredibly bright. The two, the two most spoken languages in the entire world is Latino and yep. Chinese. So if you speak Latin, and, or cause Latin is the base for French, Italian, yes. uh, Mexican, Spanish, because Mexicans don't speak Spanish. It's Mexican. So when you, when you speak about all those languages, Colombia, uh, Ecuador, uh, because everybody thinks South America is just one place. Uh, it, it's yeah. all it, – that is right. That is a, yeah. the most spoken language in the world. Mexico City is the number one international business hotspot in the world. You can go to North Korea. Yes. You can go to Mexico. You can go to Cuba. You can go anywhere you want from Mexico. And also Chinese the two most spoken languages in the world. So it's very, very smart. Who came up with that idea, and, and what, what, is, what is your um, what is your progress on that? What, what do you want to do with that? Is you oh, want to think you mean, the, the most spoken language? I'm sorry. Do, do you mean the Spanish, uh, the Spanish market? Yes. Well, you know, I mean, I guess we're going to mirror the original show, but it's just all good right. in Spanish language, basically. You know? And, right. And, but the nice thing about what we're targeting audiences, we're targeting young to 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 older to mature audience, I mean because the likes of Courtney, which Michael and I were speaking about earlier about the inspirational uh, young lady called Courtney, but then again, we had this funny segment. <laughs> we had I was I was racking my brain on something wacky, and I said, Hey, let's do this segment. What we call, are you a fitness star? You know, it's not a competition who the fittest is, but it's a competition where about people who had made significant strides in fitness. See, it's not about a it's not a it's not a beauty contest, it's not a strength contest, but what have you done for the world of fitness? And that's why right. stories, human interest stories like Courtney comes in. We had uh, another le- lady whose name is Lulu. She started bodybuilding at 48. You know? And now wow. she is she is uh, very fit and competing in bikini competitions. So nice. these are human 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 stories that that, that that we'll be presenting because our main goal is motivation. You know, our goal is, you know what, we're motivating you. If you need the tools, we'll provide you with the tools, and you know, 
and hopefully that you can make a change in your life. That's what we're trying to do, basically. Right. Right. M- Michael, when you're making this show, and is, is this the show that, that is your main focus right now? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, hold on. Just Hello? Yes. Yes. Uh, I was wondering, uh, Raul or Michael, whoever can answer this question. I'm sorry, yeah. How oh, long? Yeah, I, to... I, I know you. What? I'm here. <laughs> okay, so you said you said you have three or four episodes. You pretty much got in the can. What, do you have a goal of, of how many you want to do? Uh, is this something you want to do yearly? Is this something you want to do as like episode of television? What is your goal for this show here? No, I think they want to do it forever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's what I want to hear. Well, so well, actually, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Actually, we started with, uh, well, Joe Mendoza, our creator, started with another show. It was called Kings of Iron. It was kind of like a reality show. You might say, I, 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 want to, I don't want to reference it, but it's more like an X factor for bodybuilding, hmm. for male bodybuilding, where we right. took legends, we took legends and they trained uh, and mentored up-and-coming athletes in the bodybuilding world to get them competition ready. So now we're testing right. it. For ten- we actually had about three or four episodes for that, too, but we discovered that, wait may- a minute, that the- it's a niche market, and it's a smaller market, perhaps, you know, it won't go as far as we want it to be. But then again, when he said, oh, let's go about fitness, and that's how the Iron Fitness came about. So, you know, and and nice. and you know, I I guess I always stuck in my head, oh, the you know, traditional twelve twelve episodes, twelve episodes, twelve episodes for a season. But then again, I've been looking at shows, I've been seeing shows. Some of them have eight episodes. So I guess somebody had broken the mold, and you know, everybody wants to do what they want to do, and you know, so yeah, so, okay, welcome to the new digital world. I guess we do what we got to do. So, sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, Michael, you're executive producing, and Raul, you're you're producing this this show. Am I correct on that one? Uh, yes, I'm actually also a co-executive producer. Uh, but nice. um, yeah, and 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 Michael is executive producer. Michael Priest, Neil Spruce, who yes. uh, we were talking about earlier, he's a global fitness icon. He's also our executive producer. Uh, Joe Mendoza is our creator and executive producer. He actually started all of this, and you know, and, and you know, and some other key players. Uh, Make our family. You know, uh, this Neil Spruce, he's a um, quite a guy. He was a bodybuilder. I think he was Mr. Western America. Many quite a. He's he's not a kid anymore, but uh, he is in great shape. He, I think he's uh, like seventy pounds less than he was when he was a bodybuilder, which is very good. So now he's into a, a lean uh, kind of guy, and his uh, he's got three kids and. His one son is a uh, one of the best uh, pass catcher, wide receiver for wide University receiver. of Colorado, and, he, I, I, and I think he, he's the number one uh, in the country right now. I think he's number Unfortunately, one. Unfortunately, Colorado is a terrible yeah. team this year, so he's not getting the publicity. But uh, <laughs> and then he has another son who's a a, 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 a fighter. Uh, you know, a mixed martial artist. So uh, nice. Neil is uh, is also uh, will be very good for the show because he, he he's what you want to show. He he's a, a specimen again. You know, which <clears throat> and we're going to interview all kinds of celebrities who want to uh, who are fitness people like uh, 
I, I, I used to work on Hunter, Fred Dreyer, so one day I'll get him to come and talk about his diet and why he has uh, low-fat content, and uh, there will be people like that that will get it. Right. Not, I have no idea. I haven't even asked Fred yet, but I'm sure he would. <laughs> Love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yeah. We actually had, uh, we also actually had a former uh, Laker power forward, Joe Smith, on the show. Nice. Because, yeah, because he was, uh, I bumped to him one day in Starbucks, and I started talking to him about, uh, I started talking to him about the show, and he was, I guess he also was into fitness. I asked him point blank, what are you doing now after the basketball career is done? He said he was doing a fitness program for kids. And that's great because, you know, and I said, that's good, man. So that's how we had him because he was talking about this program for kids. So, you know, it impacts, it impacts, I I think Joe had a a real, uh, had a real good point that, hey, you know what, this fitness is a broad subject and it can touch the the, the young, the middle age and and the not so uh, middle age, you know. So right, it's right. it's a great it's a great market it's a great uh, it's a great topic and everybody like you mentioned earlier today about the obesity level being high you know and and it's not because right. it's not because they don't nobody wants to be fat like Michael said but we right. all need a we all need motivation to try to reach our goal and I think hopefully that our show can provide that motivation to get people moving. You know, that's right. the goal, basically. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know, you mentioned a couple of people that you, that you have on the show, somebody you met in, in a Starbucks. Who who do you want for the show in the future? <laughs> that's a good topic. Um, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> we were contemplating on uh, on interviewing this gentleman who trained uh. male review dancers. Huh. You know? <laughs> I know, that, yeah. hey, that's an interesting topic, so maybe we'll tackle that, but... You know, uh, but but then again, uh, I, I know a, a, a lady who was in close contact with the likes of Chan and Tatum. I mean, he could he could be a great uh, great segue into that topic. You know, of that course. being and then um, and then of course the ultimate goal is one of them is Arnold Schwarzenegger because he can right. talk about not only is a fitness icon himself, he can talk about the fitness programs and how to motivate people. I mean. Who else is it? Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger is definitely a, a target of ours if he can, and you know all other people who who are who are I guess contributors right now. I mean, I mean you well, see Michael, a lot of. Uh, yeah, thinking about Michael, you just just see the connection there. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the actually the one that uh, Chuck Norris brought Arnold Schwarzenegger to President Bush Senior, and that's how they started off the 1980s workout program. Yep. So you actually have a connection to Arnold Schwarzenegger through through Chuck Norris, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, well, I, you know, the first time Arnold ever was an acting in a, in a movie or television show was an <clears> episode <throat> of Streets of San Francisco, and, uh, and I, I I directed that one. So I, I wow. that was, I think, in, what, uh, 1975 or 6. <laughs> and is this, is, is this before Hercules? Uh, I'm sorry, what? It is before his movie Hercules uh, arrived in America. Hercules, yeah, it, I uh, think um, he had done Hercules in New York. Was that uh, his first yes. movie? Yeah. Yes. I think it was Arnold Strong in that, wasn't he? Not Arnold. Yes, it was. Yeah. He's so great. But, uh, He's so yeah, great. This was just an episode where he was playing not himself. He was just playing a 
a a a bodybuilder who accidentally kills a girl and um and uh, so i had to, actually the producers did not they said well they wanted an actor and there was a guy named william smith at the time who had a, a very good physique but he was not a, a bodybuilder as such and right. uh, then they had a couple of other actors who they said oh they you know and i said no they will look silly up on stage in a in a contest and so we were able to I, you know convince the producer to use arnold and he did well i mean he had never had to play dramatic scenes and he did and he had to go kind of crazy and wreck a room in the episode so it was um right uh, you know uh, it was kind of fun to get to know him and we had every top bodybuilder in in the country at that uh, contest we shot it in san francisco and they all got uh, on stage i don't know if you know these people like robbie robinson and uh, yes the Frank singer, right? Zane, Robin? And, uh, all of the yeah. guys were there because of Arnold, awesome. and uh, so you know it was uh, it was great fun to work with them and see uh, you know how they think and eat and and uh, yeah. some of that uh, th- those kind of guys. I, I know a lot of there's people out there who don't like bodybuilding, but they like fitness. So yeah, I think this sure. show will give you a little of each. I, I yeah. think that Michael really touching subject we don't really want to we're, we're touching the subjects of like bodybuilding because it relates to fitness you know and not because you know of bodybuilding itself like uh the kings of iron show we were doing actually featured robbie robinson and michael o'hearn so they were the legends mentoring the the young athletes you know right so it's, it's, the, the connect you just have to find a connection somewhere there and Somewhere, somehow, each of them are all inter- interconnected. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we're running out of time. You know, I, I was, I was thinking to myself before we ever started this episode uh, how I was going to process this entire episode into two hours, but it went by so fast. I found myself going, I actually have more questions, <laughs> but uh, we're, 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 we're plumb out of time. So let's go straight into our, our plugging now. So, so Raul, please tell me. How can we get in touch with, with um, I Am Fitness TV? Is it IAmFitnessTV.com or is it IAmFitness.com? Well, actually, uh, right now we uh, we, are, we only have a landing page for IAmFitnessTV.com, but we okay. do have an active website, IAmFitness.com. We also have a Facebook page for IAmFitness, uh, you know, Facebook uh, IAmFitnessTV. We also have a Twitter account called IAmFitnessTV. We we do announcements. We do things. We announce things that are coming up, and like we have a shoot in Malibu on December fourteenth, and, nice. and you know all sorts of stuff. And we're we're filming, we're filming, uh, we're trying to film an outside episode with Joe Smith and his you know and his program. So all these are going to be announced on on, on these uh, social media sites. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And then can we find you on Facebook as well, Raul Sanchez? Yes, I am there. That's Raul E. Sanchez, actually. Ah, nice. Feel free to, feel free to send me an invitation. <laughs> yeah, on Facebook, you have a Twitter account, you have an Instagram account. I have account, a Twitter account, a... I have Facebook, yeah. All that stuff, all you the social an... media, uh, 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 sorry, all the social media accounts. You know, you gotta and, have... and to your fans out there who are listening right now, it's Raul E. Sanchez. Because when I looked at Raul Sanchez through IMDb, there was a thousand names. So when you put uh, yeah, uh, you'll you love this one. You'll love this one. When I first 
when I first moved to Los Angeles, there were, I think there were 1.2 million Raul Sanchez's at the time in the phone book, you know. So, yes. So, and that's yes. why I ended up, hey, might as well use my middle initial. So that's how I ended up with Raul E. Sanchez. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up in, uh, in Hollywood Kaiser in downtown L.A., and there are so, there are so many Sanchez's. I grew up in Outwater next to downtown. There are so many Sanchez's. By the time I was 20 years old, I thought that 90% of the planet was named Sanchez or Lopez. I believe you. You know what I'm saying? Peter Sanchez, Oscar Lopez, these are the names I kept on hearing over and over again. Oh, my gosh. So, Raul. Yes. Okay, so, Raul Sanchez, we're going to be able to find you through IMDb, through through, uh, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Tumblr, through all that stuff. And Michael, Michael. How can we find you? Do you have well, a Facebook account? Uh, yeah, well, I have. Uh, also, I have a uh, michaelpriest.com. Is if you go to that on Google, that nice. uh, I pop up. I'm also on IMDb naturally, and uh, yes. Uh, but uh, I, I have a website, michaelpriest.com, and that's P-R-E-E-C-E. For, right. Uh, it's all one word, Michael Priest. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I haven't updated it recently, but it's uh, it's got a lot of uh, stuff in it. Some Your history is fascinating. The, the people you worked with, my my father would go Google Goggles. Yeah, or, I, I was you know, lucky. I've worked with a lot of, especially as a script supervisor and also as a director, I've, I've been very lucky. I've done a lot of television, different episodes of stuff. And like I just said, that Hunter with Fred Dreyer was a good one and MacGyver and... Uh, wow, nice. And uh, I, I I go way back. I worked on I Spy when I was a scripture advisor. That was a fun show to do. With Bill Cosby. And then, uh, then I did movies like Big Westerns, How the West Was Won. It's all before you yeah. guys were, were even born, you know, in the 60s. And yes. I, I don't know. I, I got to travel a lot. Uh, the great thing about getting in the film business, I tell anyone to do it, is I, I – I got to. I've been not everywhere in the world, but I've been to many right. countries, just working, getting paid to do it by going on location. It ruins your family life, but it's. Uh, but it was. It's a. It's, it's a very good way to see the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael, to end on a positive note here, you know, for for the audience that's listening right now, for the fans who're listening, to both of you speaking, anything positive that you can pass over, something you've learned throughout all the years. Of your your work in the, the film and, and media industry, is there anything you can pass on as far as knowledge to help out the younger generation to become you or the, the next up and coming Quentin Tarantino or P.T. Anderson? Yeah, I, I would yeah. just say when you're on a movie set, if you're no matter what job you have, just learned what everybody does. I was taught that yeah. when I was uh, like 19 years old that. Uh, you should know how to light, why they're lighting. Don't walk away. Don't go somewhere else. And uh, but learn the lighting and why the sound, if it's bad, uh, and make up what they do. So you appreciate what everybody does. And and I, uh, you know, because everybody needs their time on the set. And so you know, if you just pay attention, uh, if you visit a set or what, or if you just have a, a job, if you're the you know, PA or whatever, it, it watch what's going on and pay attention to everybody, not just the actors and the director, 
because uh, but, but just learn what everyone does. It's very important. Correct. And and I and that's um, that. And go to uh, schools. I think uh, the the education for for learning film is wonderful. Being on a set is the best education for for mm-hmm. doing films. But go, the school and going to acting school. Uh, Marlon Brando told me he said go to acting school. It'll make you a better director. So I did, and I tried acting. I wasn't very good at it, but uh, at least I understood where actors are coming from when they're right. why they have. Problems or whatever, right. why they can't get their head behind a part, whatever. So I think knowledge is very important. That's some great advice. And thank you so much, Michael Priest, for being on the show today. Uh, Raul Sanchez, thank you so much for being on the show today. We, we greatly enjoyed you being on. Uh, we did not have Neil Spruce on, but we spoke about him as being executive producer of the show as well. I Am Fitness TV is the name of the show. IamFitness.com is the website in which you can go visit them. Raul, San- Raul E. Sanchez, the man I want you to be looking at, and Michael Priest, P-R-E-E-C-E, which is also the website as well. And I want you to look at and look at this man's incredible career. Thank you both of you for joining us today. I greatly appreciate it on a holiday weekend. I, I really appreciate you being on today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Very, very Thanks, good. guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you very right, much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, boys, that was, that was just fantastic having them both on there. It was a great show. Holiday weekend, Thanksgiving. I hope all of you have eaten and had a great time. Uh, let's put on a little music here and let's see how loud this, this baby is today. Oh, it doesn't want to play. Isn't that nice? Well, it doesn't really matter. So how was your weekend? Did you do well? 657-383-1444. We're only going to be on for a couple more minutes. So we have uh, I Am Fitness TV, directed by J.J. Rogers, who we also know from a horror story, who we had on recently. Uh, Thank you to Susan Bell for bringing me J.J. Rogers, as well as uh, Michael Priest, as well as Raul E. Sanchez. I really greatly appreciate it, both being executive producers there. We talked about Neil Spruce, who was also executive producer on the show. Look at Michael Priest. Michael Priest, uh, uh, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. P-R-E-E-C-E dot com is the website. Check it out. It's really awesome. The name of the show is I Am Fitness TV. Thank you both for being on today, and thank you very much for everybody else for listening in today. So how was your how was your week? How was your Thanksgiving? Was it fantastic? Was it everything you expected it to be? Give me a call. 657-383-1444. So my week was, was great. I, I saw the new Star Wars trailer. It was fantastic. I went to go see Inception. And uh, they, they played the uh, trailer at the end of the film. It was really interesting. It was right when it was done. Two people stood up and walked away. <laughs> and they left the theaters just like in Phantom Menace, except for the fact that it was on iTunes maybe an hour later, and they didn't have to wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning to see a, see a trailer. So I thought that was kind of dumb. But the trailer looked fantastic. So if anybody was wondering, G.J. Abrams was doing a great job. The movie looks amazing. I cannot wait to see that. So... That's the news I have for this week. That's the information I have. Um, I hope everybody had a great week. I hope everybody had a great weekend. This usually goes up very, very well when I have my music playing. But uh, you know, it's been a it's been a tough couple of weeks for for a lot of people coming up with the holidays, and some people have have left us on this earth and and are gone now, and some people are still here. I want you to remember that the holidays are meant for family to come together and for us to enjoy ourselves, not about gifts. 
It's not about food. It's not about uh, any of those things. It's it's about family. The food is is the extra part of the family. So during these holiday seasons, we're going to still have Cinephile radio shows going on. Enjoy yourself. Love your family. Remember that the only ones who count are the only ones who matter. Go out and see a movie. We have a lot of movies coming out. In, uh, Interstellar was an amazing movie. I really loved it. Maybe about 10 minutes too long, but that's just about it. A fantastic movie. Great movies coming out. Keep your eyes open. Uh, thank you very much for listening today on Cinephiles Radio. I am your host, Steve Pisa. Next week on Cinephiles Radio, we'll have Manu from, uh, from, um, from Voyager, who was not able to make it last week. I usually don't make announcements who's going to be on next week, but I really want everybody to be listening in next week because he wasn't able to make it last week. Today we had on uh, Michael Priest and also Raul E. Sanchez. And thank you very much for having them on. Now, this show is called I Am Fitness TV. You can see it at IamFitness.com as well as I Am Fitness TV on Facebook. I'm your host, Steve Pisa on Cinephiles Radio, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you very much for listening in. God bless. And everybody, have yourself a